Right, welcome back to our pastors. It's like S apostrophe, pastors <laughs> Bible study. Yeah. Uh, here at Desert Foothills Live in our recording studio here at Desert Foothills. Uh, very exciting to be able to share the word of God with you and get together in your home with you as we uh, look into God's word together. We are getting near the end of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit uh, through God's people his chosen people, and the amazing things that God does. So we continue today in chapter 27. Again, a pretty adventurous tale mm -hmm. of Paul traveling to Rome as a prisoner, but finally making his, his journey to Rome, the, the center of civilization in that time. Uh, he was bringing the gospel for the first time to the very heart of Rome. It's pretty cool. All right, chapter 27, Paul sails for Rome. I'm reading from the NIV, I think. Yep, NIV. That's what we got today. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, and this we, obviously Luke is with Paul at this point. He was probably nearby those two years in Caesarea. That's actually really, I think, uh, just an important piece to make before you go on, right? I, I don't even think I always think about that. I think about the story of Paul being so central but we remember as we began this book that Luke is writing that. So for years now, you know, if Paul's mm -hmm. been imprisoned, he's been out, you know, on his own doing other work at the same time too in preparation. Yeah, and Luke's probably been gathering his uh, research and interviewing people during this time too for his two-volume work, his gospel, and then this book. So uh, Luke with Paul and some others and some other prisoners are, are now headed over to Italy. Paul and, oh, I just said that, and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, uh, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded, there it is again, we, we boarded a ship from Artemidium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. Now, I remember Caesarea is just a little north of, uh, you know, Jerusalem, kind of northern Israel, well, north of that. And then they're going to sail north around the Mediterranean Sea uh, towards Italy, and they named some of the some of the towns there. We put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us, and that name is mentioned here because probably uh, he comes up again when Paul's in Rome. Uh, the next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because of the winds. Uh, the winds were against us. And if you're familiar with sailing, you know, windward, leeward side, windward side of the island, the leeward side of the island. So winds blowing against them. So they try to go around the island that would block the wind. Yeah, because it actually would have been shorter distance-wise for them to go north, but they weren't able to do that. Yeah. Uh, again, a very historical account, right? Very mm -hmm. accurate uh, description of all the places and the, the time frame and who's with them, all the, all the people that were there. Uh, so when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, uh, we landed at Myra in Lycia. Verse 6. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. So at this point, uh, and maybe we'll get a map on the screen, maybe. That's a good idea. It would be great. Uh, they're going around the north of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, at this point, uh, they could have continued around the Mediterranean a little bit further, uh, say to Greece, and then taken an overland route. 
think it's called the Epicurean Way uh, road route that'll take you into Greece and a short little hop across the was it Adriatic Sea or something mm -hmm. to, to Italy. Uh, but the centurion decided, no, we want to take the direct route. So he got on an Alexandrian ship, which is Egyptian, Alexandria, Egypt, uh, probably shipping grain. Think of all the crops, grains and cotton, you know, from Egypt and the, the Nile Delta. They're shipping it you know, to Rome. So anyway, they hop on that ship uh, for a direct route to Rome. That's the plan. Verse 7. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete opposite Salmoni. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lassia. Verse 9. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. That's Yom Kippur, which is in well, October usually in our calendars. It's in the fall. And even uh, for the Romans, I mean, so for Jewish people, they would say from Pentecost to Yom Kippur was kind of the sailing season, the mm. summer, the summer months. You don't, you don't want to go out in the Mediterranean in the wintertime in these boats. Yeah, especially with a lot of cargo. In these yeah. navigation and stuff. But even the Romans would uh, consider basically that if you sailed after October, 15th it was dangerous if you sailed after november 15th it was suicide that's the way the romans viewed it uh so paul warned them verse 10 men i can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also but the centurion instead of listening to what paul said followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should all sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix. Yeah, the shout out today. How about that? Yeah, for all our Arizona. I wonder how you realize Phoenix is a biblical. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Uh, anyway, and winter there. Uh, this was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. So uh, if you were to look at a map of Crete, Crete's an island, kind of in the middle of the Mediterranean, and south of, uh, of uh, well, it's kind of got Greece over the northwest, and, yeah. and uh, Turkey, what we call Turkey, Asia Minor to the northeast. Uh, it's still a pretty good ways from Africa, but it's, it's pretty much in the middle. Uh, so they're kind of going around the south side of it. That's what they're trying to do. They get to the first port, Fair Haven, and Paul's like, okay, we need to just stop right here and hole up for winter. Yeah. And they say, no, no, let's go a little bit further down the island. Uh, there's a better port, a bigger port, uh, even more, I guess, popular for, for wintering. Uh, Phoenix. Well, it's called Phoenix, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who doesn't want to go to Phoenix? During the winter. Right. So that's where they that's where they make it. I mean, they kind of just hold up there for a little while. And, I mean, nobody can fault this uh, individual for not listening to Paul, right? I mean, he listens to the the pilot and to the owner of the ship. You know, think about just trying to listen to a prisoner. I mean, he does, in my mind, like the right thing. Paul doesn't even say, at least in his words and this sediment, you know, God told me that mm -hmm. we should do this. On the other hand, I would have to assume that Paul does, in this instance, have some type of uh, connection with the Lord that has been given him as this 
know, communication that this is probably not the best thing to do. It doesn't seem like Paul just on his own volition is like, hey guys, I'm a better sailor than you. Right. Yeah, I don't own the ship and I don't pilot ships, but let me tell you guys what to do. He does seem to have this underlining inclination from the Lord mm -hmm. that this is not the right way to be able to go. And I don't say that just on my own volition. We'll see in just a little bit that in the it future, he does mention, yeah, yeah, about God coming to him. So, right. All right, well, why don't we jump into this storm then? You think it's bad already? They're already starting to come up against, you know, this is the beginning of your road trip. You've gone out, <laughs> right. you know, and you're, you've driven a couple miles down the road and you realize your son and daughter have both forgotten their toothbrushes. Uh, you didn't fill the car all the way up with gas. And so you got these little hurdles, but now the real things are starting to come on the road trip here for Paul. Mm -hmm. All right, the storm. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought that they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. All right, everything's getting better. We pulled over to the gas station, found a couple toothbrushes, got <laughs> gas, and now we're on our way. Before very long, though, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Calda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Let me just think about that for a second. I assume quite a bit of our audience has probably been on some type of a boat before. A lot of people have probably had the privilege of going on some type of a cruise ship or something like that. So a lot of times I think when we think about boats, whether you've been on a decent fishing vessel or a modern day cruise ship, yeah. that's what we're picturing in our mind. But I mean, take back the time now of what Paul and these sailors are up against yeah. in this it's not the ship that they're on. The ship's not made out of steel. No. Riveted together. No. I mean, it's, it's modern day. It's not even made out of fiberglass or no. little, like a solid hull no. or a fishing boat. Yeah. I mean, no. this is just Wood. the ingenuity that they had at that time. Yeah. And this is their. This is what they're doing to solve this problem. They're literally throwing pieces of rope underneath. Fishing it underneath yeah, the Yeah. Trying to catch it on the other side and tying then tying the thing together. Like... This is like hold it together. Yeah, this is like some kids balsa wood project <laughs> here in a bathtub that they're hoping to stay afloat. Except there are real people in the middle of this the, thing. In the middle yeah, of the sea. in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. Also no, uh, like uh, no satellite phone. Yeah, right. No GPS. No contact. No direction. Hopefully we can follow by the stars, which you'll see is a problem in That's just a little gonna, bit yeah, for now. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Citrus, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. They're just dragging the anchor, hoping to slow it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they begin to throw the cargo overboard. So now all the stuff that they're made to be able to do, they're just getting rid of it. This is their one of their purposes for being out there, just throwing it aside. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. They're not talking about fishing lures and hooks here. They're talking about major elements to be able to navigate with this ship. Potentially uh, an extra sail, maybe part of a, a mast, uh, maybe different planks they had to be able to repair the ship <laughs> along the way. It's so bad they're getting rid of all those items now. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally got up, gave up all hope of being saved. 
think about that terminology, right? They haven't seen the sun or stars, so daylight has not appeared. And even in the evening, they haven't been able to see the moon or the stars, so they can't navigate where they're going. This storm has not given up at any point. I mean, it is just, we think it's bad when we get up against a snowstorm where you're in your house, you know, and oh man, it's been snowing for days now. Again, they're out in the middle of nowhere and there's just, it's completely relentless. It is. Now, and just a note of how uh, extreme this was, this little uh, nice citrus, they were worried about running again on the sandbars of citrus. Yes. I looked that up. That's off the coast of Libya, so Africa, Tunis, Tripoli, it's just off the coast. So they were they were literally concerned they were going to get blown all the way to Africa by wow. the storm. Wow. They're like, we're, we're going to end up running aground. I mean, they had no idea how fast they were moving and how road trips get was. Road trips getting worse. They, they got a couple blowouts at this point, right? Uh, AAA is unavailable. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Their phones are not working and there are no call boxes around it it continues after the men had gone a long time without food paul stood up before them and said men you should have taken my advice not to sail from crete then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss and again paul doesn't do this to say hey guys remember me i made the right call you guys are 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 not good you know he's not making fun of them Mm -hmm. he jumps right back on here But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And here he goes where he gets on uh, explaining how he knows these things. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I, I, I don't know. When I read that, it takes me actually out of this story and puts it in my own, I think. Uh, as I see going through this concept of listening to God, not listening to him, but even knowing the promises that God has given to us, seeing what still has to happen, right? He doesn't say, okay, the sun's coming out now. Everything's going to be fine. He says, no, you're you're all going to be saved. Your lives are all spared. Just so you know, though, we're still going to run aground, guys. It's still going to be tough. You still need to have courage. And I love that because God could stop this entire storm. We see Jesus do that himself mm-hmm. within scripture. But he allows the storm still to be able to play out that he allows the men to still have a piece, a role in this. You guys have to have courage, he says, and make this happen. And he allows them to be a part of the story leading up to knowing that they will be saved. They still have to have this trust in God. And I think about my story, too, of God telling us as Christians this exact same thing. Hey, guys, women, children, you you need to have courage. You know, you need to take heart. The promise is there. The Lord says you will have salvation, but this does not mean that within your life, you're not going to run aground at times, that there aren't going to be these wrecks, but remember that ultimate promise that's there. That's great. And I love the credibility that Paul has at this point Mm. because he did kind of prophesy. Oh yeah. I mean, he didn't, he didn't tell him that, like you said, the angel of the Lord spoke to me and said, we shouldn't, we should stay in Crete. We shouldn't go on. But he told them, he goes, you know, we need to stay here for the winter. We don't need to go any further. We're going to get into some trouble. And then when it happens, 
he uses it to not, again, I told you so, but to say, okay, look, God has spoken to me. We're all going to survive. So it's to bring hope and courage. Because remember, what was it? Verse uh, 20, right? They'd finally given up all hope of mm. being saved. Mm. These are professional sailors. Yeah. Life is all they do. And they're like, that's it. Yeah. This is the worst we've ever been. Yeah. We're not getting out of this. And Paul says, no, the Lord said we are going to get out of this. We are going to survive. And interestingly enough, too, right? That's a great point, Pastor Mark. You know, when they've lost all hope. And again, to bring it back to a modern day reality, how true is that for so many people in our world, too, that sometimes it's it's only when we have literally hit the rock bottom, when we have become shipwrecked, when we have lost all hope that we finally say, you know what, uh, maybe I should start listening to what the Lord is is saying. You know, my way is, is not the right way. I think I know so much that I have all this intelligence, but I forget about that. Right. Another aspect of the story I think is really cool is how God blesses and here he's protecting specifically the unbelievers yes and it's it's for their benefit but it's also for the sake of paul um and you see that throughout the story of of god's you know yeah god's providence his plan of salvation but going all the way back to genesis 39 you know, when joseph is down in egypt he becomes a slave to potiphar uh, but the lord was with joseph this is verse 2 of genesis 39 and he, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Right, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both the house, the fields, uh, so everything. And so he left in Joseph's care everything he had. And so, I, and here you see Paul is obviously the, at the center of God's plan of spreading the gospel. The, the whole point here is to get Paul to Rome yeah. so he can share the gospel in the heart of the empire. Uh, but through that, God's going to protect these unbelievers around them and then and you just think what does that i don't know what does that show uh that god would show mercy and kindness to unbelievers mm-hmm. uh, jesus talks about the rain falling on the just and the unjust I was thinking that exactly god thing. provides food for the just and the unjust and it's um it's it's a way one i think uh it's a testimony to god's existence mm-hmm. and i think it's a testimony to god's love his love for all people. And it's little situations like that. You know, if nothing bad ever happened, then God would never have that opportunity to yeah. to, to show forth kind of this protection or yeah. this mercy and sparing people's lives. So, yeah, God working through all things for good, you know, and we know that. You going to pick up on 27? Yeah, the shipwreck. Here we go. 27-27. On the 14th night... We were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. <laughs> I think about the fort. This is two weeks straight. I mean, how much sleep? How much sleep are these guys even getting? Right. Well, we find out they're not even eating. Yeah, yeah. They're they're so stressed out. They're probably constantly retying the ropes. Holding yeah, shit together. Con- yeah. It's like this <laughs> bailing battle. water all two, day and night. Two weeks. I, I I mean I couldn't. I just couldn't. I can't even imagine it. Really exhausting. So when it was about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. 
They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Uh, so it's getting shallower, obviously. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Mm. You want to be able to see the rocks coming, right? In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let down uh, the lifeboat into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. So do you see what's happening there? So the, the sailors, the guys that actually know what they're doing, that have sensed this, that notice they're coming to the rocks, they've seen this story before or at least heard about it. And so their plan is, if we can get in these smaller lifeboats, Hopefully there is land nearby. We have a better chance of being able to survive. So these prisoners that are here, these other people, we're basically going to leave them to die. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned that. But so the draft of a boat is how deep in the water it goes. Yeah. So a large ship with hundreds of people on board, we're going to find out, uh, would have be very deep in the water. Yeah. Uh, a lifeboat, probably only a foot or two yeah. in the water. So they have a much better chance of getting much over the easier surf, to be able to over navigate. the rocks yep. or whatever. Is in front of them. So they're basically trying to leave everybody there and just every man for himself, literally. Right. So in 31, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. And so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Considering because you still have these different classes that are there, right? The soldiers are not the sailors. These are different groups of people that are there. You got prisoners there. You got the soldiers there. You got the sailors there. And so the soldiers now here, these guys are trying to leave us, you know? And, and Paul is saying, hey, if they're gone, we're gone. Yeah. So they just they just hacked these lifeboats off the side. So now there are literally no lifeboats here yeah. on this ship. We're all in this together, <laughs> the centurion said. Yeah. <laughs> well, there may be different classes of people, but right now, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're all yeah. trying to be survivors. Uh, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. And he said, for the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. Look at the stress, mm. the anxiety they've mm. been living in. And have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it. And he began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. They knew they were close to the shore. Uh, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with the sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time, untied the ropes that held the rudders. Or so now they could steer. And again, think about this dangerous maneuver if the sailors had left them yeah. uh, yep. in the ship alone to try to make this attempt. Uh, so then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made, made for the beach. I love that phrase. Uh, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. 
The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So that last part there, the, obviously the soldiers, we've mentioned this before within the book of Acts and elsewhere in scripture, you know, it, their life was on the line. If these prisoners escape and get away, they would most likely be put to death. And uh, we see that happen when Paul is in prison, you know, and uh, the, the soldiers come back and find that the doors are open and they're about ready to kill themselves. You know, and Paul stops and, hey, we're all still here. And the same thing in this instance, you know, that they're going to kill them because they want their lives to be spared. And it's better to be, have these guys dead. Mm-hmm. But this one centurion remembers Paul and like, hey, guys, we would not be here unless it's for this individual. And he says, let's let's try something different here. And interestingly enough, you know, they come up with this this plan and everything seems to work really well. Just as Paul said, more importantly, just as God has told him and everybody's life is spared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I see here is not just an amazing story of the uh, the forces of nature or of, you know, human cunning to try to survive or, mm. you know, find a way out. But this amazing adventure story of how God is so calmly in control of the forces of nature and, and uh, you know, human interactions. But just the, just the storm, if, if you looked up Malta, turns out this is Malta, or we'll find out next mm-hmm. chapter, um, on the map. It's all the way on the western side of the Mediterranean Sea. It's all just south of Italy. So they, they actually ended up getting pretty close to where they wanted yeah. to go. But remember, the sailors thought they were going south. They were going to hit Africa. So they didn't have any idea which way was the wind was blowing. I didn't know which way is up. The skies yeah. is cl- overclass. But God controlled this storm. And if you look, uh, you know, like from Crete, looking west, it's a huge open sea. It's a lot of space. There's a lot of... Like, what are the odds that this storm would blow them right into this little island, you know, what, however, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away? Oh, yeah. Uh, but God was, even in behind this chaotic storm, just calmly fulfilling his purpose and his plan. And we see that, obviously, in, in our lives today still. And think of all the things that are lost here, right? You got, you got precious cargo that they were delivering that was lost. You get somebody's ship. I mean, that is not that is more than livelihood. The owner of this ship technically got jobs that were lost, right? Mm-hmm. You get all these sailors that they, they don't have jobs anymore. There's no ship to be able to man. No cargo to deliver yeah, to there's sell. All this food that was that is all gone. Mm-hmm. And you got people now in an area where they're a, they're a little bit lost. They're looking for their bearings. So think about all those things that are now gone that were so important to them. But guess what? In this instance, all those things that were so important to all of those people have now, I think, probably taken at least second fiddle, right? Mm -hmm. They're recognizing, I think, in this moment, what is most important, that all of their lives have been saved and that God has been with them through this journey. All those things that they thought they had to have so many times over, they probably recognize at this point, you know, those aren't the the main things. Yes, I, I... if I don't have my life, none of these things matter. And maybe the same for us too, you know, in situations that we face, sometimes that's when uh, the Lord and his will for us become more intense and take a bigger priority in our lives. When you think, you know, maybe I didn't have to have 
this or that wasn't the most important driver in my life. And it is hard for us to be able to face, again, our own shipwrecks when we're run aground. But a lot of times in those moments is when we receive finally the, the peace of God to see what we do need to prioritize in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I think also this is a this adventure story is really also about the calm that's in the heart of God's representative. Mm. And what a great witness Paul was to this yeah. whole ordeal. Yeah, you don't see him. He doesn't get worked up even in a mm. single moment. He's breaking bread. He's blessing it for the people, mm. telling them, hey, the Lord came and told me this. And so I'm good with, with all that. He knows for a fact. It's not even like, I don't even know if you use the word I don't even know if you use the word faith because I think it it changes in our mind. The word faith in Paul's mind here and maybe in our mind, I think are a little bit different. He's not just just hoping or wishing or thinking that this might happen. He knows it. His faith is is a knowing that God's promise will come true. And that's what our faith truly needs to be too. It's not just this, yeah, I'm I'm placing my my faith in you, God, that you will make this. It's knowing that he will do according to his will what is most appropriate and what is best for us as his people. Yeah, and we're all God's representatives, right? We're all members of the body of Christ here on earth. And so how can we witness that same calm and confident faith that we have in our God? Um, Giving thanks before we eat like Paul did. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great sure. a great example. Um, there's uh, maybe even just his, his uh, being at peace, right? Saying, hey guys, God told me this would be so and I'm at peace. And people may look at that and be like, man, I wish I could do yeah. that. Or how could you be at peace at a time like this? Yeah, so I think- So that example. Yeah, I think when we talk about evangelism, obviously, talk about sharing the gospel, telling, but I think there's a, many times there is a a physical need that needs to be met before people can hear or or even start to think about, ponder things of spirituality. I mean, he's like, guys, you haven't eaten in 14 days. Yeah. Like you just need some bread in your stomach. Caring for people in practical ways. I think, uh, I know as a, uh, a chaplain, a lot of times, uh, after a, uh, critical incident, a traumatic event, uh, there's a huge adrenaline dump. I don't know if you've ever been in a wreck before, even mm. just a fender bender, mm. but you kind of feel that, whoo, 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 oh, man, yeah. what just happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it can get even more intense, you know, the more intense the situation. And so really one of the very first things I'll do, if I'm, a lot of times they'll call me to try to talk to people who are pretty wigging out mm-hmm. about what's going on or what just happened, what they just saw. And the very first thing, I said, just get a bottle of water. So you need to drink water. Yeah. You need to drink a lot of water here. Uh, as we're talking, I give them another bottle of water, drink that. And, you know, they're not thinking about this or that, you know, paying attention to what their body needs, but mm. it needs water. It needs to flush out those chemicals that have just been overloading their system, hyping up their, you know, their blood pressure and their narrowing their focus. Uh, so you can start to talk about some more deeper things, meaningful yeah. things, life, faith, the meanings of life. Why, you know, God spare you um, uh, just to get that clear head. So as a church, right, we talk about painting houses or uh, the care we give to the Veterans Center or the food bank that provides, you know, meals 
uh, and necessity items to people. Uh, we have to meet people's needs that, you know, where their life is under a tremendous amount of stress uh, or duress uh, from the situation that they're in, whatever is homeless or if it's needing, you know, not able to buy groceries or um, job training, you know, for the veterans, they don't have, can't, you know, provide for themselves. Meeting those needs, uh, it's not just a ploy to say, hey, here, let me, oh, you need something? Let me give you something. Now let me tell you about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, it's, it's genuinely, and you see Paul doing it here, right? it's genuinely caring for people, yep. meeting their physical needs, getting them to a point where they can think about, you know, the meaning of life and, you know, these deeper issues. Because when you're in a survival mode, like that's, you're just life and death. You're just trying to you oh, hold on. One thing, yeah. Um, but you can, if you can hold on to them, you know, if you can care for them, let them calm down. Uh, and feel the peace of God. That's a good point, Pastor Mark. And so maybe we conclude with that today too. Uh, again, in a practical way, taking what Pastor Mark just shared with us, of thinking, you know, who is who is in your boat today, mm-hmm. right? And maybe we have all different boats that our lives are made up of. You know, maybe you have one uh, at work, one with your family, uh, one with neighbors. You know, you keep you keep naming those. And so within your boat today, who are those people that you need to care for just in practical ways? You know, sometimes even just a word of encouragement that yeah. somebody may need, uh, just taking, you know, five minutes to send them a quick note, whether they be a Christian or or not, you know, caring for God's people just as he always cares for us. So I uh, thank you, Pastor Mark, for challenging all of us yeah. with that this week. It's good. All right, let's close in prayer. we got uh, one more chapter next week to really look forward to. Yeah. Uh, join me. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, again, uh, we give you praise and glory for uh, allowing us to have the time to be able to gaze upon your word today, to be able to see uh, your promises continued on uh, through this uh, scripture text and through the, uh, you know, your spirit being poured out upon your people for so many just millennia, Lord. Uh, We ask that you'll continue to make that alive in our lives today as we are challenged to be able to go out to serve as your disciples uh, on this earth and to be able to reach people, uh, not so that we feel better, not just so that they feel better, but so that at the end of the day, Lord, that we can share uh, of your grace and of your mercy, uh, the God who directs all people, uh, the God who is Lord of the sun, the moon, the stars, and each of our own little boats. And so allow us to be able to be navigated by you, Lord, into that which is next in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us. See See ya.